This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, Justin. Yo. I, uh, when I first met you, do you remember how we met? Yeah, I mean, I remember like sparks flew and emotions ran high. Yeah. <laughs> We were we were at uh, Score, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. went to one of the Score workshops, and you were uh, you were the instructor. That's I was right. The student. I was the apprentice. And, and one thing that I uh, and now you have uh, you and now you are the master, and uh, you know the tables have turned. Uh, but when we when we first met, uh, one of the things I really liked about you was the fact that you are always constantly learning and. Uh, I remember you talking about a class that you took uh, that gave you a lot of knowledge. Uh, and, uh, and, and guess what, man? What's that? That, that person that gave you all that knowledge besides me is here. What? And you dug yeah, him up? Oh, you're going to have, you're going to have knowledge in both ear, ear holes and it's going to, it's going to change your life again, man. Wow. And, well. uh, Without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Andro Sturgeon. And I'm Justin Womack. And we are the Marketing Geeks. Marketing Geeks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right. Tell us that you, you introduce the guests. Introduce the guests, man. Yes, yes. Uh, today, we have the esteemed privilege of being joined by my social media marketing instructor at Aventura College. So back in, I think it was 2016, I found out that Ventura College was introducing one of like the few social media marketing programs in the entire state, maybe even in the entire country. I'm sure um, I'm sure our guest can tell you more about that in a moment here. Uh, but I met him there. I had a pretty solid back uh, background in social media marketing at the time, but I wanted to really uh, learn it from an educational standpoint, from the traditional standpoint, beyond just what you're going to find in digital courses and things like that. And this person was able to teach me all of that wonderful stuff. Plus, I learned that life hack um, that I think is amazing. You get student discounts if you take even one course at your local community college. So there's big student discounts to be had. That's a life hack for all your entrepreneurs out there. So our guest today is Nick Norris, Professor Nick Norris. 
He's the owner of ID Marketing and Design, which is a boutique agency that provides marketing services to small business in Southern California. He is uh, he's best friends with that with our net our Netflix uh, guest that we had on previously, Kevin Lorino. And uh, in addition, Nick teaches the business classes at Ventura College. He's teaching the social media marketing class, the public relations class, organizational and management and intro to business. And he earned his MBA from Pepperdine University's Graziadio School. I'll have to pronounce that for me uh, in business and management. So please welcome to the show, Nick Norris, Professor Nick Norris. How you doing, All Nick? All right. Thanks, guys. I'm great. It's so nice to be here. I, yeah, I fixed man. that. I was calling you Dr. Nick for a while because um, my old college roommate's brother is Dr. Nick. And I think I was mixing the two of you up. But Professor, Professor Nick, and then Dr. Nick is the other one. Sounds nice. I like it. it. Has a good ring to it. Maybe I go for my doctorate one day, but certainly not now. Just for the just for the title. That's what I thought. I, th- I might go do a good like an online PhD just for that title. <laughs> just for the title. <laughs> just for the title. Agreed. Well, uh, welcome to the show, man. And uh, uh, so, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? How you ended up uh, uh, doing what you're doing, and and your journey through being an entrepreneur to teaching, uh, what? and even grad school because you have an yeah. MBA from Pepperdine. That's probably a pretty good story there too. So. Sure. So I was stuck in a job that I didn't really like, and I, I don't mean to say anything too negatively about Starbucks because it was a good job. <laughs> um, but after two years as a manager at Starbucks from two thousand. 2005 to 2007, um, where I was one of the top performing uh, general managers in the in the uh, southern region, Southern California region, they pretty much told me that they do not uh, promote based on merit. They promote based on how long you've been there. And uh, that didn't really work for me. Um, I didn't like that answer. And they pretty much told me I'd have to, you know, stay put, scrubbing dishes, washing toilets, cleaning espresso machines for several more years before I got an opportunity to advance. So I took that as a sign to go back to school and get my MBA from Pepperdine University. It's pronounced the Grazia Dio School. Um, And and I know it it actually took me, you know, a better half of a year to uh, uh, pronounce it the right way. Um, (laughs) I'll just say Pepperdine. (laughs) Pepperdine. I like it. Most people say Pepperdine. So Pepperdine uh, MBA, I earned it in 2009. So I was doing an internship in between my first and second year there as a director of operations at Maverick Angels, which was an angel investing network work out of the Conejo Valley, Westlake Village and Agora Hills and that kind of thing. And I just was around investors and entrepreneurs all the time. And I saw these really smart people starting things and being their own bosses and thought, well, gee, I could do that. Let me ask Um, you real quick, because uh, the Pepperdine campus is in Malibu. Is that where the grad school was too? Were you studying in Malibu? Where was that campus? I was. There's lots of options. I was a full-time student, so I was studying at the Malibu campus, which is beautiful. I was driving from Santa Monica up to Malibu every day. Um, not a bad drive being on PCH. Um, oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It. Um, but they have a number of um, uh, satellite campuses around Southern California for their fully employed program for folks that are going to school part-time and working full-time, and those are in you know, Conejo Valley, West L.A., San Diego, East L.A. So I was at the Malibu campus, though. That's so. cool. And I think one of the I mean, this is my opinion and I, I don't have an MBA, so I can't I can't speak to this fully. But I think like one of the key benefits of going to grad school is the networking component because you're you're networking with and if you're in Malibu, a lot of wealthy individuals, probably from wealthy families. And there's some amazing connections to be made. Um, I think 
like in my opinion, I think that has more value than the than the material that you're taught in an MBA program or even in college. Um, did you make some amazing relationships while you were there? Like you talk, can you talk about that? I didn't. I think it's really the the main reason why my business that I started ended up being a success. Um, the joke at B school is that there's a reason why they call it B school. It's because you're supposed to study hard enough to get B's and spend the rest of your time at happy hours, networking, rubbing elbows and building contacts, which is essentially what I did. So when I mm -hmm. started my business in 2008, um, you know, essentially I went out to my fellow colleagues that had graduated or whatever and were in decision-making roles at the businesses that they were working at. And those were the folks that were calling me to hire me to do my work. So I would say wow. that the success of my business is very directly related to the relationships that I built with colleagues, uh, fellow students at the MBA program. So happy hour paid off. Happy hour paid off. <laughs> More ways than one. So so uh, just just going back in time a little bit. So what year did you start your your uh, business? So I was an MBA student from 2007 to 2009. I started my business in 2008, halfway through. And actually, Kevin Great Lorraine. Great year to start from, a business. Yeah, right. Right <laughs> when the market crashed. And actually, I had some fellow colleagues that were graduating that were leaving their MBAs off of their resumes as they were reentering the workforce yep. because they were overqualified for lower paying jobs. Um, and wow. so a lot of them ended up remaining unemployed for six to 12 months after we graduated. So yeah, terrible timing. Um, but Kevin Loreno, who you had mentioned before, uh, my, my good friend who works at Netflix now, he and I started the business together in 2008. And he was my business partner mm. for the first three years. So yeah. That's cool. I, you know, it's funny. I, that's when I first started uh, doing web development and, you know, the mobile marketing was a brand new thing. Facebook was like, no one was doing it. If you could do Facebook marketing, it was a big deal. Those were the days. Those were the golden <laughs> days, you know, but uh, alas, alas. So uh, so now you're uh, teaching and are, are you uh you know, was it was it one of the because I, you know, I, I ran my business in Southern California until I moved here to the Netherlands. But it was uh, it got to be a real competitive sort of thing. And uh, what was it about teaching that made you start doing that uh, with like like kind of making a bit of a transition? Actually, it was pure chance, to be honest with you. Um, in 2015, my wife and I moved from Santa Monica to Ventura. Um, because mm -hmm. we wanted to buy our first house. We had been holding on hope of buying a house in Santa Monica, which is just absurd. So we <laughs> came to terms with reality and bought in a beach town where we could afford. And so I left Santa Monica where I'd spent 10 years building a network and I moved out here and I didn't really know anyone. I mean, I really didn't know anyone. And so my whole thought was maybe I'll go see if the local community college needs somebody to teach a marketing class. And that way I could meet some other business people, you know, business instructors. So it was really more of a networking um, opportunity for me. And I stumbled onto the Ventura College campus right as they were trying to initiate this social media marketing program, but they had had a number of professors um, either not qualified to teach it or walk away from it last minute. Um, and I walked into the dean's office really quite randomly, right as they were looking for someone like me. So I just taught part time for the first couple of years, and it was never meant to be 
a full-time job. It was always meant to be more of a something to do with my spare time and a way to meet people and, you know, keep business professionals in my life. Um, but it turned out, you know, three years later that I fell in love with the practice and I really enjoyed being a teacher. And when a full-time um, opportunity uh, arose, really earlier just this semester, I am three months into a full-time job here at Ventura College, um, but it was never meant to be anything more than a, a, a side gig, so... Wow, that's cool. So, so what what are the things that you are uh, teaching? Like, what what are the skills that you think are most important right now for people who are learning digital marketing? So, and I think Justin and I talked about this when I recorded a podcast with him in 2019 and moving forward. I see a lot of social media marketing uh, being synonymous with uh, content marketing and generating content. Um, and so my assumption when students come into the class is that they know how to use Twitter already and Facebook and Instagram. And if they don't, you know, I can show them a thing or two, um, but they might not know how, you know, having a podcast channel integrates with a marketing plan um, and how it, you know, builds credibility and pulls people into the marketing web and that kind of thing. And so I'm teaching quite a bit of content marketing as a strategy in social media marketing. So. Yeah, I think I think hmm. most people don't think of content marketing in terms of lead generation and revenue growth um, because they think it's just writing an article. And, and if you don't have a background in business, you're not going to see the connection. So I think there is an opportunity there to educate people on what it actually means and how it actually works because podcasting is, uh, I mean, that's a huge one for, uh, for lead gen, for, um, for credibility boost, all, all of the above. And, and Andres, I don't know if you know this, but Nick actually started a podcast right out of his classroom. So oh, really? I, I was a, I was a guest speaker uh, at his uh, doing a segment on podcasting about a month or two ago. And we recorded a podcast in the class. Um, That's the professor, awesome. The Professor Nick podcast. That's right. <laughs> wow. So you, you're doing you're doing a podcast as part of your teaching curriculum. So I teach in person and I teach online. So okay. my thought is. I'll bring in guests like Justin. I've also had Kevin come onto my podcast as well and a number of other colleagues of mine. And I will record a live podcast in front of my class and I'll take questions and we'll do answers and we'll talk about whatever that person's specialty is. And then I will publish it on my anchor channel, which, you know, gets sent out everywhere else. And then for my online classes, I'll use that same interview or podcast conversation as a learning opportunity, as a lesson. So I'm repurposing it from the in-person to the online now do you own that content or does that content belong to the school that's a good question i am not a lawyer i would, I would talk to a lawyer about, about that man because you could repackage that shit you know what I'm <laughs> <laughs> a little money so um uh okay so so what what would you say is like if you know for these young people who they you know they know kind of this digital landscape what's kind of the way that you approach what they need to learn and what do you think the most important skills are that they need to learn? So I'm usually, my classes are usually filled with two different types of students. Um, the younger students that are 18, 19, 20, fresh out of high school, first year or two or three or whatever in college. And a lot of them are already savvy on social media, right? Like I said, they know how to use Instagram stories and that kind of thing. What they don't understand is how to build a, a strategy and follow a plan, 
And so for those folks, I show them the importance of, you know, stating objectives, understanding who your target audience is, deliberately selecting your social strategies and vehicles, and then implementing an experience for those people and then tracking the results. For the younger folks that already know Snapchat, they don't need me to teach them how to use Snapchat. They've been doing since they were, you know, junior high school or whenever kids get cell phones. Um, so it's that thinking strategically and mapping out a plan that plan that separates them. Now on the flip side, because it's community college, I also get a lot of folks that are further along in their careers. They're not 18, 19, 20, they're 30 or 40 or even 50. Um, and they're looking for new skills. And a lot of these folks, what I have found, are simply hesitant to try new things. And so as part of the class, I force them to start a Facebook business profile. I force them uh, to, to you know, create a Spotify playlist and pretend that they're a marketer from Toyota or whatever and that you're creating a, a playlist. I really, really, I, I'm trying to teach both audiences at the same time. Mm -hmm. hmm. And I think, I mean, I, I've seen that. Like, there's a lot of people that reach a certain age and they just don't want to learn anything new. And I think that's a huge disadvantage. If you want to be a business owner um, in this day and age, that's a massive disadvantage because you'd be forced to outsource your social media. But worse, worse than that, which it's okay to outsource, but you need to know kind of how it works to be an yeah. effective uh, manager of an outsourcer. <laughs> and if you don't, if you don't understand the the concepts and what's actually happening, you're going to get taken advantage of over and over again. So I, I see that as a critical skill. Um, yeah, do you want to speak to that at all? I, I do see, um, especially that generation that comes back, a lot of folks that are coming back to my class that are, say, in their 50s. Some of them have been laid off from a previous job, and they were in marketing for a long time, and they're realizing that if they're going to try and reenter the workforce at age 50, and they've never spent any time being exposed to social media marketing tools, that simply going back and, and being exposed to these things is of value. Um, so I, I, I agree with you, and I'm also an advocate of constant change. I mean, the world we live in changes all the time. The tools that were popular 10 years ago are not popular today, and a lot of the tools that we're using now will be irrelevant 10 years uh, from now. So unless we can learn to embrace change as part of our daily operations, I think we'll get left behind. I mean, we can be, you know, blockbuster in the war against Netflix and see how well that goes, right? Yeah. For sure. We've talked, we've talked quite a bit about that, that very thing. So, uh, so I want to go back a little bit and talk about your curriculum and how you talk about uh, building a strategy. Can you break down kind of the steps that someone needs to take if, if you're like, if you're missing that skill, how would you, what would you tell people to like the, 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 that part of it? The strategic planning skill, is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, and, and, and leading up to, you know, figuring out the target market and all of that. Like, how, how do you teach it in this day and age? So one thing that's important for people to understand is to audit yourself at the very beginning, right? So if you're going to try and build a social media marketing plan, you need to look at your own social media marketing channels and platforms and operation and see what it is you're doing well and what it is you're not doing so well so you can identify what those opportunities are. Um, we then do, you know, I talk about target audience. We do a market segmentation um, activity where I ask students to um, think about the differences, say, between 
Um, I'm going to use a couple examples that I'll use in class. Lure Fish House, which is a small, nice restaurant here in Ventura, versus, say, Subway, which is a global fast food restaurant. How would they approach social media marketing differently? And in fact, how is their target audience different from one another? From an age range standpoint, from a lifestyle standpoint, from a um, uh, from an education and income standpoint, and understand you know where they are. Like if I were to tell you guys um, that we're going to target uh, an audience online and we're and we're marketing for Lure, and I said to you we're going to use Snapchat to do that, would you think that I'm out of my mind, or is that a good idea? Well, it depends on who's eating at the restaurant. Well, right? Lure is a fancy restaurant, so I would think you're out of your mind. Right. <laughs> but if if instead I said that my target audience is you know. Uh, golfers and business owners and and people who use LinkedIn and that I'm going to run a campaign there, would that be more appropriate? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Maybe. And, and, you know, it's, it's, uh, and this is one of those things we actually had a conversation with uh, a guest, uh, I think it was last week or the week before, where we talked about, you know, the idea of, of running campaigns that start small and scaling up. Where you know you have to learn your your target demographic. Uh, one of the big mistakes that people do is they just say, "Okay, we're going to do this campaign, and it's going to have this message," and they don't really test it. They don't do any AB. They don't like figure out what's working. Uh, you know, does a does a chatbot work better than an email? You know, uh, form. Uh, you got to You got to test these things out. Um, so, do you do you get into the nuts and bolts also about like? the AB testing and stuff like that with your students? Like, how do you teach that? I do. It's tricky. Okay. Because this is community college. Um, and I can't necessarily ask students to spend money. Um, so a lot of times I'm showing them the basics and let's also remember that this is an intro to social media marketing class. Yeah, I was going to say AB testing is like intermediate to advanced. Yeah. (laughs) I, I would agree. Um, again, you know, I, I try and convince that some students come in like, oh, I'm a small business owner. I have this brand that I'm trying to launch. I was like, OK, great. So let's learn how to do, for example, a Facebook ad campaign, whether we boost a post or start something. And they're like, "Ooh, I don't know if I'm willing to risk five dollars on that. I'm like, come on, guys, <laughs> if you're not willing to risk five dollars to see if you can, you know, use social media marketing tools, then what are we doing here? But again, I'm a I'm a business school instructor at community college. I can't be telling my students. All right reach into your credit cards, pull out a thousand dollars. Let's run this for 30 days and see if a wins versus B. So I talk about it in theory, um, but it's difficult to do that in practice. And in addition, um, I'm working on trying to build a more advanced social media marketing um, class here at Ventura college. It's in the works. Um, and in that class, I would like to get more into some of the metrics and the performance and and the adjusting. I mean, you talked a little bit, Andros, about you know starting small, reviewing the data, adjusting, you know, letting the winner ride, and then maybe transitioning to a different direction if it's not going so well. It's hard to do that in an intro class with limited time. So that yeah. is something that I would like to address in the in the advanced class. So what do you uh, as now? I mean, because, you know, the landscape uh, changes constantly. I, I used to uh, teach workshops and uh, I would they would have me back like every three to six months. And every single time I came back, I would be like, last time I was here, I said this. 
this is wrong now. Tear Not that up. This. Tear that up. Throw yeah. it away. <laughs> so, so what are the what are the? I mean, you you talk about Facebook. I I personally, uh, it's no secret to what my opinion of Facebook is. You love them, right? Uh, but what I love, yeah. fa- I love That's them what I so thought. much. I wasn't sure, but I thought so. I love them so much. I want to just <laughs> smash their little faces right into the ground. Um. So so what what are you uh seeing as far as like what you're having to teach? like say last year versus this year, what are the big changes? Well, you bring up Facebook and that's a really good example because how long ago was it um, when Facebook was, um, you know, everybody's darling? It wasn't that long ago, right? It wasn't no, until two, all the election ago. stuff. Mid-2016. Right, I mean, so so when I first started the teaching class at the beginning of 2016, it was like, oh, look at Facebook this, Facebook that. All of a sudden we're viewing it very differently. Um, you know, I'm seeing, as I'm sure you are as well, um, a lot of the data and results show that Instagram has the highest engagement levels for for brands from a social media marketing strategy. And so sure. one of the things that we're talking about in learning is is the difference between when to use Instagram stories and when to use Instagram feed because, you know, they stole stories off of Snapchat. So that's one thing. And then the other thing that we talk about, too, is influencer marketing and how to tap in, you know, into networks uh, of uh, specialists that are out there as gatekeepers. And this is one thing, again, that we talk about in the public relations class about how influencers are disrupting the traditional publication gatekeeper model, right? Mm -hmm. We now have access to huge amounts of people by going to Instagram, YouTube influencers and not necessarily having to go to, you know, local media outlets. I mean, I look at I look at influencer marketing almost like 1980s and 90s like celebrity endorsements i mean it's like the same thing only the definitions have changed like what a celebrity is these days yeah Um, i mean i mean more more kids know you know the top youtube stars than they do or the top gaming uh celebrities than they do like the top movie stars esports that's it we gotta get an esports expert on here because that's an interesting thing (laughs) i mean i mean yeah so 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 the game has completely changed and you know you you were talking about that you also teach pr uh and i'd love to figure talk with you a little bit about like what what kind of because i i'm not I, I know a little bit about PR, but how do you approach that? You mentioned Jared. I mean, you mentioned Subway earlier. How did, how did they handle that Jared Fogel situation? Man, and that's <laughs> it's funny that you it's funny you mentioned that because on the first night of PR class, I asked the students, you know, what is it that you all think PR is? And nine out of ten students think that it has everything to do with crisis management, right? They watch these shows like Scandal, <laughs> and they see these politicians that are in trouble, and these Wells Fargo executives, <laughs> and the 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 VW. Um, you know, emission scandal. They just assume that PR is managing crisis. And that's a big chunk. Don't get me wrong. And we spin. talk and about spin, that course. and spin, of course. <laughs> so we talk about that for sure. Um, but traditionally, if you were to look at some of the definitions and how they taught PR 20 or 30 years ago, you are talking about building relationships with media, right? You want your story or your brand or your or your product to be published in the LA Times and the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal on Fox News, on CNN, whatever, you have to be in with the editors, you have to be in with the journalists and so on and so on. Um, and so we certainly talk about that because it's still a part of, uh, of public relations. But the reality is, is now, you know, here's an example I'll give you class. 
20 years ago, if you were a new rap artist or a musician, how did you become famous? How did you make it? You got signed. You got signed. I hustled, man. You got I hustled, hustled and I just made sure my flow wasn't bogus. You got to get so shot you, five times to survive, too. You you <laughs> have to sign a deal with the with the record album, right, to rake a record, or you have to get your song played on the radio. How do musicians make it now? Is it traditional like that, or do they completely bypass that traditional gatekeeper model and build God. their own relationship with their fans online? I mean, that's how it's yeah, done now. Yeah, not only that, I'm, I I I just read this article about uh, how the music industry has shifted into basically it's TikTok now is the. <laughs> platform and uh people uh are now making songs that are maybe just like 30 seconds yep. to see how they test <laughs> and if they test well and people use them and re you know re tiktok them uh then they will do the whole song and that's one of the reasons that uh a lot of these new songs coming out are so short because the attention spans are shorter um but they're also just like testing different <laughs> sounds on so it's it's kind of weird i mean i'm not i'm not sure i dig that yeah. but uh you know what happened to like the album. Man. <laughs> what happened to the record, or, man? Or before the record or the album, I mean, one thing, and I want to learn more about this. There, when I was in college, I missed the opportunity to take the the class that's all about the Grateful Dead, right? How did the Grateful <laughs> Dead make money? They gave their music away for free. They encouraged right. fans to not only record their live performances, but to bootleg them. And they made their money by playing 350 shows a year. They were ahead yeah. of their time because that's like the new model is give your stuff away for free and then figure out the monetization on the back end of it. Totally. No, wait, I want to I want to mention something because PR right now, there's a big shift happening right now where a, a huge growing segment of PR is podcast marketing. And we're I mean, our show, which just hit a quarter million downloads yesterday. I will I will yeah! give myself a plug. Yeah! Congratulations. Thank you. Where's that soundtrack there? There you that's go. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, we uh, we are constantly being contacted by PR companies pitching us guests for the show. And it's uh, and, and I've looked into it and seeing what they're charging and people are paying big money to get booked on shows like ours, of course. Um, and it's it's a pretty it's a pretty incredible because this this whole segment or this whole industry segment really didn't exist two years ago i mean this thing has blown up and there are million dollar companies um probably getting into the into the uh, eight figure range right now that are exclusively focusing on podcast booking and podcast marketing and it's uh have you have you looked into that at all? Because I mean, I know this is brand brand new, but it's like kind of well. Like, he's running a podcast out of this classroom, that's man. True, of that's true. That's yeah. <laughs> true. There's, I, I think it's really interesting. I'd love to have that kind of a podcast. To be honest with you, there's only so much time in a day, in a person's day. In addition to teaching full time and kind of keeping my side hustle yeah. going, I got a wife and four kids at home from seven to newborn, and it's like. Yeah, great idea. I love the idea. Um, when I find an extra five hours a day, I'll let you know when I crack that nut. Um, but I'm, I'm certainly interested in it. Um, I, I I believe Anchor was recently purchased by Spotify. Yeah, early early 2019. Yeah. So what was the? Do you guys remember the dollar amount? So that was well, earlier this year. Was the dollar amount? 400 million. I can't yeah, remember yeah. what it is, but somebody out there thinks that podcasting is a huge growth uh, opportunity. And I agree. And to your point, too, Justin, I mean, so if, if you were trying to, to build a brand, um, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and you were kicking and scrying to get your your person featured on a local radio show mm -hmm. or on a talk show that's late at night and so on and so on, you had to go through again. I'm looking at the traditional gatekeeper model now. 
you get to go to the source, right? I get to reach out to Justin directly and say, Justin, put me on your podcast, which is how I ended up on this podcast. I was I was begging. I was dying. Um, <laughs> I <but> finally <laughs> gave in. <laughs> <laughs> but someone like you, if you guys are if you guys are considered an influencer and if you have a certain demographic of people that are listening to your show, you can sway a market or you can you can create success for a small brand that's up and coming simply because you you let them speak directly to your audience. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, we've, we we have seven listeners, and uh, they listen a lot, though. Yeah, and seventy percent of them uh, like Rick and Morty, so we know that. No, know your know your audience. Yeah, my my wife is is one of the seven listeners, <laughs> and she's she doesn't like Rick and Morty, and six out of seven. We're counseling over it. We, we're we, you know we have we the marriage might survive discussions, but <laughs> I think so. But you know, every time I I, I keep trying, and she just like. Anyway, that's a that's a different story for another time. Um, I want to I want to um, uh, talk a, a little bit about how you're doing uh, PR also, because like what what kind of skills like what is your curriculum like when you teach this class? Like what are the points If you could just kind of bullet point what you want your students to walk away with? So maybe you can. Yeah impart some of that wisdom outside of just the crisis management right so crisis management is one part of it media relations is another part of it publicity is another part of it um we talk a lot about um celebrities and athletes managing their own personalities online right again bypassing the traditional model um and going direct to the customers and it also talks about um, ethics and corporate social responsibility, right? Like in this day and age, what's, that? Eth- what's ethics? <laughs> um, that's a good question. Um, well, we can. Yeah, what's ethics in a corporation? That's like an <laughs> we, can, we can talk about what ethics aren't. I show clips from um, yeah. Justin. You may recall this. I show clips from the Enron movie, The Smartest Guys in the one. Room. Um, oh, as that's kind a great of a, movie. It is. If you if you haven't seen that, the big short. The big short's got some good stuff in there too. I think that's good too. Yeah, yeah. smartest guys in the room. Yeah. The Enron story. Yeah. It's, it's unreal. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a show on Netflix. Is it called Dirty Money or something like that? It has multiple episodes mm. about different, you know, yes. corrupt types of, of businesses. So no. So you can look at what isn't ethics in marketing and in ethics in business, but you can look at some of the things that are that are positive, right? Like we study Patagonia and what they're doing for the environment, and for their community, and for their employees, and so on. We look at Taylor Guitars. There's a great case study with Taylor Guitars um, where they started to realize that the ebony uh, uh, wood that was being part of the guitars was was coming to an existential crisis in that it was almost gone. And so they had to kind mm-hmm. of pivot and use different kinds of wood, despite the fact that it caused an uproar in the industry because people had been used to using this ebony wood for centuries. And now it's not true, you know, black, it's not true ebony, it's something else. And and his argument, the, the Taylor founder and CEO's argument is, look, like I'm not trying to make this change on you just for fun, just just to see if you like it. The reality is we're running out of this type of wood. So, you know, it's going to happen this year or next year, 10 years from now, all that wood will be gone. So why don't we do the corporately, socially responsible thing and find a different source? And that's what they've done. So we, we also study those success cases as well. Yeah, I mean, one of the we, and we've talked about this uh, as well, where you can use a cause as part of your marketing, you're giving back. I mean, Tom Shoes is the classic totally. example yeah. uh, where where the cause is the is the marketing. 
Um, and that's, you know, that's something that I, uh, uh, I, I fully support. I think that every business should, should give back on some level, uh, socially. And also, you know, we live in this day and age where there could be just like a me too moment for a business. And then all of a sudden, if their business practice relies on a certain type of industry that is no longer socially acceptable, a uh, public opinion can change on a dime. Ooh, look at Uber. Know? Look at Uber. I mean, first, it started with Travis Kalanick, the, the CEO, who yeah. got ousted because of a sexual harassment charges. And now um, they released a, a study like this last week about like the number of sexual assault cases. And it's, it's astronomically it's high. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, um, well, yeah, a company like that, too. That's I mean, it's amazing how fast like public opinion can shift. <laughs> yeah. Or even I, I feel that public opinion is shifting with uh, Facebook uh, and that people are starting to realize what a toxic uh, platform it is. And so, you know, that's, a, that's, there could be a moment when people were just like, I've had enough of this, the way that this company does business, I'm done with it. And it could, it could happen instantly. In fact, uh, you know, this happened to Cosby, actually, there was a, a Hannibal, <laughs> Uh, Hannibal, what's his name? Uh, comedian. Hannibal Lecter. Burris. No, Hannibal Burris. He was yeah. <laughs> Hannibal Burris. He he did a routine and he in and in it he talked about that uh, Cosby was a rapist and you know a couple of people were like what yeah. he's like he is look it up look it I, up on Family Guy I think Family Guy did it too on their show or something yeah you know, but, they were ahead but of their it time. was just like it was just this moment where it was like all of a sudden people were like hey wait a minute and that was it right yeah. uh, same thing with Weinstein. Uh, but this can happen to businesses as well. And so uh, if if you're running a business in a certain way that may be not in integrity or relies on an on a unhealthy practice, uh, your business could disappear. In a I'm, I'm expecting it from Amazon uh, one of these days. People are just going to go, what? The other really important thing, too, that we learned in that class, and I can't remember the exact percentages and number because I don't have the textbook in front of me. I'm sure it's here in my office somewhere. Um, but the millennial generation in particular is very careful about where they decide to spend their money. And they very deliberately yeah. want to buy the products and services from brands and companies that they believe are out there doing good in their communities yeah. and yeah. well by their employees and all of the stakeholders not just the shareholders so if you want that millennial dollar you're gonna need to engage in some sort of a cause yeah exactly and and this is this is like a very this is like one of the most important part points moving into the you know into the 2020s is that is is that you you have to have this kind of up up front and center if if you are if somebody finds something that they don't like about your company that will travel far faster than any good mm -hmm. you do. Yes. Now, additionally, though, this is also about how the, the market is shifting to where, what, 10, 20 years ago, corporations would never touch politics. You would never hear a corporation take a corporate stand because why would you? You want to market to everybody. Uh, this day and age, especially with the millennial generation, they, they care more about what you stand for than ever before. And you're seeing companies for the first time, at least I'm, I mean, maybe there, there's been, I'm sure there've been examples of companies in the past, but not a lot um, that are actually taking political stands. Like Nike did this with Colin Kaepernick. I think that was a, um, we talk about that in class. I think that was a, a little bit of a risk. It's, it's paid off nicely for them. Uh, but you're seeing, you're seeing more and more of it. Like they're actually endorsing presidential candidates at times. I mean, um, we're seeing a shift where we're company, where it's, where transparency in the way that, uh, a, a corporate values, uh, transparent corporate values are becoming like more necessary than I've ever seen them in the past. 
and if nothing else, it's becoming more and more difficult for some of these brands to remain neutral. Yes. Right? Yeah. And, and you know, it's kind of funny. I, uh, one of my clients was a martial arts studio in, uh, in Portland. And I was, and, and the teacher was very clear about like not wanting to make anybody angry at them or make, you know, make a stand or make a statement about that maybe, you know, that may be taken one way or another. Polarizing. And polarizing. And, and, you know, but her whole motto was about being in integrity and standing up and doing the right thing when people need help. And so I was just like, look, here's my advice to you because, you know, she's like, how do I market myself? I'm like, my advice to you is you do self-defense uh, classes against Nazis because they have a, a lot of like white supremacy there. It's like you you got to if you're really true about what you're saying and you you're about equalization and, you know, destroying hate, then you got to teach free classes on how to protect yourself at a protest because someone's got to do something about the fucking Nazis, right? And, uh, and I can't believe and it's like, well, 2019 I... and we still have to say those words. But yes, well, right? You know your audience though, too. I mean, like, who? Right. What are they coming in for? You should you should be surveying at times. Like, why do you need self defense? And if that's the answer, then I agree 100. Yeah, percent That should be your marketing message because that's the people that are coming in. Yeah, but also it's it's like you know I the the when she asked like well what if that alienates people I was like the people who are alienated from that message will never walk in there anyway so don't worry about that you know it's also about niching down to that to that market yeah. well and so, and you're deepening when you when you alienate and you go niche and you go deep niche like you you make stronger connections with your customers that are probably going to stay longer so you are you are going to alienate a certain segment. Um, but the segment that engages with you become bigger fans and they become um, more engaged and they become more loyal and better referrers. So there, there's benefits. So it, it's a risk, but there's benefits when you when you get it right. Yeah. Hence the, the Nike thing. Let, let, let me ask you this, Nick, because, you know, you're you have to stay on top of like your knowledge. You have to like know what's relevant, and what's not like from class to class, you know, just in a few months where where do you get like the latest greatest like who do you turn to for your knowledge so you can pass that he's on? always texting me just kidding <laughs> <laughs> or is it marketing geeks i mean you listen to marketing he geeks. listens to the marketing geeks. I, I, yeah i just regurgitate what i hear you guys say in class um and it's going great um you know that's that's tricky i mean i, I don't want to go down this uh rabbit hole unless you guys do which is you know, how do we trust anything that we read anymore? And, you know, yeah. everybody that I feel like I grew up loving and respecting has turned out to be a <laughs> psychopath. And so I don't know if, if I believe it. But but if, if you're interested in where I keep up to news, um, I love to use the LinkedIn um, stories feature um, for like just general business news. Right. So if you're on a laptop or a desktop and you go to LinkedIn.com, that top right section shows, in my opinion, some of the best trending topics topics in business. So I will use a lot of that to inform some lessons. Um, but I'm also really interested in technology. Um, so I listened to a podcast called Recode Decode. That's all about technology. Oh, that's a great a podcast. Wonderful podcast. Good blog too. Kara Swisher, she's great. Um, I do use Vox Media. I use The Verge. Um, and then, because I'm also a big sports fan, one of my particular Yeah, big Patriots is, fan over there. <laughs> I remember, right? Uh, you like that? Tom Brady a lot? Oh, right? yeah, huge. Big Tom Brady fan. <laughs> yeah, he did, never cheated a day in his life. Um <clears throat> I actually, um, I love this website and they have a podcast channel. The website's called The Ringer. 
theringer.com. Um, they have a lot of podcasts on sports and they have a lot of podcasts on business and on pop culture and these kinds of things. Um, but again, my interest is in kind of in the intersection between sports and business, sports and pop culture and what's happening in the world. Not just the, the statistics of, well, who won last night's game and so on and so on. But, you know, what does this... What does this Daryl Morey tweet about Hong Kong have to do with the NBA and China? And and what does the future of that look like? Um, and the South Park episode, too. And, the, yeah. and that was so funny. The South Park uh, stuff came out right at the same time as all this stuff. So um, love that Tegrity Farms. Um, <laughs> so, so those are some of the places that I turn to for my news. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, uh, those are, those are good resources. Uh, and you know, and it's, it is hard because you never, you never know like who's like where some of this information is coming from, but there are patterns that have emerged. Like for instance, uh, you know, just what we were talking about, about a company having to be in integrity, uh, but also people being a little more careful about how they spend their money nowadays. But we're also in like a guru culture where everybody is, is claiming guru status. Um, So it's, it's sometimes tough to decipher who do I listen to? Like out of, I mean, especially if you're looking at influencers online, like which ones are are legit and which ones are full of shit. And I assure you that there is a, a lot of them that are full of shit. Not all, but there are a lot, but 50% of them are on this podcast. Yeah, our hosts. I don't know, man. I'm looking forward to Fire Festival Part Two. Yeah. Oh, are they doing it? Oh man, when do you get out of prison? Because when he gets out of prison, I bet he'll have a new company rolling in like in like ten days. He'll be like a millionaire again. Brilliant. He's bootlegging something for prison already. Just like look at look at uh, look at the Wolf of Wall Street right now. That guy's crushing it all of a sudden. Yep. And, yeah. And he preaches ethics and everything, and it's like mm, not a hundred percent convinced. Maybe I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it's impossible, but I have my doubts. Yeah, that's gonna be like Cosby starting a dating app when he gets out of prison. <laughs> well, look at OJ Simpson. He's like having a resurgence, resurgence on Twitter right now. He's got like hundreds of thousands of followers. He just randomly showed up one day and now he's like trying to be like his old self. Like he's playing like his naked gun character where he's all like friendly and, and funny. Yeah. And it's just weird. It's like, dude, we know, well, we know what happened. <laughs> well, you know, it's, if Ted Bundy had a, uh, or John Wayne Gacy had a Twitter account, I would oh, follow man. that shit. I mean, <laughs> if, come on. if Ted Bundy were around in this day and age, yeah, he would have been a celebrity. It's a train yeah, wreck. You yeah. can't look away. Right. So, uh, so what, what are your predictions for 2020? Tell, tell us like what you think, uh, kind of where marketing is going and what kind of skills do you think people should be really thinking about now? Wow. Um, for, for the record, I'm a terrible predictor of the future. <laughs> However, so are, we. so are you. Yeah. Um, Actually, Andres is much better than me. <laughs> if I if I think about this more from my students, um, I think that there's going to be more jobs for young professionals at small businesses and startups. Um, I keep waiting and waiting for these big corporations that say they're going to hire people and and pay really, really good, you know, wages and bring back, you know, uh, uh, benefits and all these things. I, I don't I don't know how much I trust that. So I see another year of young people self-starting. Um, and that's not to say that big businesses aren't providing tremendous value and, and that there's good jobs to be had at those. But I think for my younger college students, um, that are 18, 19, I, I think that they should be looking more at 
helping to build up small local businesses as a way to gain experience as a stepping stone. Um, So I see small business uh, maintaining a a hold. Um, But to be honest with you, I just this this world that we live in now for the last few years, I, I, I can't I can't seem to get my my finger on it. Um, I would have never predicted some of the things that have happened politically and business wise over the last few years to happen. So I I really, I'm going to restate that. I think I'm a terrible judge of what um, I think the future is going to happen because a lot of times the exact opposite ends up happening. So um, don't don't listen to. So maybe if we just take your prediction and just do the exact opposite, maybe that would take be a little more accurate. Do then? the exact opposite. <laughs> yeah, I, I still see from a social media marketing standpoint, I still see content generation being huge. I still see um, I see entertainment as as merging with social media more so mm-hmm. in the next year than it ever has. Um, there's a new brand coming up uh, next year called Quibi, which is uh, Quick Bites. It's kind of mobile only. It's 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 Hollywood quality, Netflix quality um, video content that's mobile only, and it's all short. It's all ten minutes or less. So I think you're going to see an integration and combination of digital media goes social because we've dabbled in this as a as a society in the past but i'm not sure we've nailed it yet and i think that 2020 might be a year where we attempt to nail it and in in regard to like the idea of content marketing taking off one of the one of the things we talked about when i did the podcast with you is we talked about push and pull marketing which i think Mm -hmm. is um something worth discussing briefly here um and I'll, i'll let you talk about that in a second but I also do agree that like this idea of like the merging of information and entertainment, like infotainment has become a new word in the lexicon of American culture and, um, and people want to learn, but they want to be entertained at the same time. So I think they're going to see less, we're going to be seeing less of the, um, YouTube stars that are just purely like just crazy. Or I mean, maybe, maybe not, maybe I'm wrong on that, but, uh, but I do see a rise in this in this whole this whole model of infotainment, which which oh, is what a, we try to do here on the now. marketing geeks, but fail miserably at. <laughs> and um, but yeah, do you want to do you want to talk a little bit about like push and pull marketing though, or Andres, you want to say something first? But I, I, just oh, I was just going to say like like the whole presidency is is entertainment marketing. You know, <laughs> it's. It's like it's like WWE in politics. It's crazy. Well, but, I mean, Vince McMahon's uh, wife was uh, was in the cabinet for a while. <laughs> I, honestly, if I if I had read this in a short, like in a science fiction story, like twenty years ago, I would have been like, "This is crazy. This would never happen." And she she was the uh, actually she was the head of the Small Business Administration, I believe, Linda McMahon, um, in the beginning of the Trump admin. Um, wow. I, I think she resigned after like six months. This timeline yeah. is weird. Stranger than fiction, guys. Just wanted to bring that up. Just bring it up. It's true. You can look it up. Go look it up. But yeah, talk about push and pull marketing real quick here, Nick, because. I think it's worth mentioning, and um, and you, you we were talking about it on your show, and I just think it's a, it's yeah. Well, it's I think about. the push and pull marketing is also one of the differences. Again, when I talk about small businesses, is you know twenty thirty years ago we didn't have these niche businesses that only served up a really small demographic of population, right? But with our ability to kind of pull people into our web and craft a message and find lucrative ways to make money, honestly off of serving a small population versus a big population. I think that the poll marketing and the content marketing becomes um, more and more important um, with each day. Um, 
So, you know, as opposed to people, you know, your Nikes and your Apples and your big brands are still going to focus a lot of their money and their attention on, you know, Super Bowl ads and that kind of thing. But, you know, what about the small up and coming uh, brands that nobody's ever heard of that's that's making money? They're going to be doing, you know, podcasts. They're going to be using influencer marketing. There's going to be generating, you know, music forums, um, chat bots, you know, uh, uh, Instagram live takeovers and so on. I think that's kind of, you know, where that's coming. An example that I, that I, that I uh, like to bring up is, um, so when, when, uh, Game of Thrones, um, came out, um, I became so obsessed with that show. It was unlike anything else that I had ever seen. My wife read the books and I had a hard time keeping track of who the characters were. I'm not sure if you guys watch, <laughs> but there's so many different storylines that after each episode, I I needed to kind of break it down and understand more. And so there's a there's a podcast for me. There's a podcast for nerds. I mean, <laughs> I don't right, think yeah. that they get more than 40 or 50,000, you know, plays after each um uh, uh, episode of Game of Thrones, and if you were to try and pitch that business model to a local radio station, say, "Hey, I have a great idea for a for a talk show on the radio," you'll get forty thousand people to listen to it each week. They tell you to go blow smoke, right? But the ability for us to kind of break this down into such small niche communities and allow people like me to nerd out over the one specific thing that I'm interested in is kind of the future of these kinds of things. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. And you know, it's it's interesting because, uh, in fact, I was just reading uh, a thing, I think it was in the New Yorker, uh, about how, uh, oh, it was an interview with William Gibson, uh, who, uh, who it's, it's, a, it's a great article, um, but he was talking about how there's these uh, kind of sub-communities that happen, except you're kind of all sharing the same type of thing. So even though you're niching down, it's still losing a, a little bit of individualism. Sure. Uh, which I thought was uh, kind of interesting. But that said, uh, a lively discussion can be made about, uh, you know, whether or not uh, Khaleesi was in character when she uh, destroyed King's Landing. Oh, spoiler. Sorry, guys. (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, you remember I talked about that movie Under the Silver Lake, which uh, I've never met another person that likes that movie except for me. Um, and they have an entire Reddit community around that movie because there's like all these hidden like codes and symbols in that movie. And I found that fascinating. So I really love that. Uh, but they've created an entire Reddit community just around one movie. And people are like traveling the globe to go to like these spots in the movie and try to like figure out clues. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's really, you know, this goes back to what we were saying about, uh, you know, that you have to create a community and, and get your tribe going, you know, so everything in marketing now is really, it seems it's, it's really about this, like creating tribes. Uh, we, we are hungry to be in, in a tribe. I mean, that's why people are so polarized now because we want to be in our tribe, but, uh, it's, uh, it's interesting how, you know, to kind of see the organic nature of how these things are happening and how you can market something using these things. Although, the thing about it is that marketing is so fo- phony, right? And people want authenticity, so it's it's trying to find that balance, uh, which is which is kind of tough. Um, we we got to come to the to the close of the show, uh, but uh, uh, where can we find you, Nick? 
Sheesh, lots of places. Um, I guess I could I could um, share the new podcast, which launched earlier this semester. It's the Professor Nick podcast. I use Anchor to publish it, so that means it's of course on, you know, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and so on. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, Nick Norris. Um, my website, my company is ID Marketing and Design. You can find me there. Um, I'm on Instagram as an individual at, at Nick and Ventura. Um, I shouldn't be too hard to find, but um, check yeah, out the what podcast. Do you, what do you got coming up on the Ventura College uh, curriculum for the uh, spring 2020? Actually, this is something I'm really excited about. Um, and if, if you're not in too much of a rush, um, I'll plug the, the social media marketing class for next semester. The school has charged me with creating a zero textbook cost version of the class. Ooh, like so, Neat. you know, the push at the community college at California level is to make things as cheap or free as possible. So... Um, as part I of like a, $300 textbooks. I, I remember being at UC Santa Barbara and getting right. my $300 so, chemistry book and being really happy about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Real happy. Here's business law. <laughs> Enjoy. Sorry, Nicole Falco. I know you love business law. Um, selling it back for $25 at the end of the yeah, year, too. Exactly. Get that. Um, so, so what I've done is I've essentially taken the entire um, social media marketing course and converted it to a zero textbook cost course. Now, the problem with that is there are free textbooks available out there, but anything on the subject of social media marketing or digital marketing was four or five or six years old, which, as you guys know, is ancient. And so I'd read through these op these options, and they looked terrible. So what I did, and this is one of the reasons why the Professor Nick podcast came to be, is I replaced a lot of the lessons with interviews with experts, with people like Justin and Kevin and other colleagues of mine to talk about specific things, whether it be influencer marketing or content marketing or community management or these kinds of things. Um, and so the class has been redesigned and will launch in spring 2020 is a zero textbook cost. And instead of reading chapters in a textbook, you will instead be listening to podcast interviews uh, with me and guests where we talk about certain things. And I don't know if you can see it behind me. I know you guys are publishing a podcast, so uh, this isn't really relevant to your listeners, but all those sticky notes behind me there, that was me building out the courses by, uh, by subject matter, week one, week two, week three, week four. And so I would record a podcast, say it's on content marketing with Justin, uh, then we would have a discussion about content marketing. And then I'm having the students literally build their own podcast and publish it and share the link with me. And then also do an email marketing campaign that links back to a blog post that they create on their website using MailChimp. And so it's much more practical and hands on. Um, and it's all audio based. So I love that because like 10 years ago, if uh, if a publishing company knew that there was a subject like social media marketing that they could update a book every year, every year you'd yeah. be you'd be seeing three hundred dollars textbooks and then needing the new edition every single year. So I so, love what you're doing, and I'm happy to see that there there's a shift happening on that that crazy textbook market. So if you're in the Ventura area, uh, then take this class. I mean, so it's online. You don't even have to be in the Ventura area. Yeah, that's right? No, you <laughs> Just, can, yeah, you wow. can enroll from anywhere. That's right. Absolutely. It's cheaper if you're in California, though. It is cheaper in California. That's great. So, yeah, enroll enroll in the, the class. We'll, we'll try and put a link Thanks. Uh, down below. Um, so before we go, uh, want to find out, uh, you know, we are the marketing geeks. What 
are you geeky about right now? TV show, movie, book, hobby. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. What's a geeky? What are you really geeking? He really out hates Tom Brady. Right I'm just, just kind of you know, rubbing it in. That's all. Hating Tom Brady. That's what you're. Everybody about. that doesn't live in Boston hates Tom Brady. Um, <laughs> so I'm a huge basketball fan, and I'm a big Lakers fan, and so this is the first successful Lakers season in quite a while. So I'm excited about that. Uh, but if you're asking about what well, like what types of shows, because I'm a geek about shows oh, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm watching a ton of basketball. Well, Anything? No, no. Whether it's fantasy football, whether it's what are basketball. We had, yeah. we had one guest say he was he was geeky about bees. He was, he was and chickens. Doing, we had chickens, chickens and bees have been prior answers. I'm not. <laughs> um, my wife and I tend to watch shows. Right now, we just finished the last episode of the last season of uh, Man in the High Castle on Amazon mm. Prime, which I, I thought I was fantastic. I got about halfway through that. So good, I loved it. Um, yeah, and I think we're going to start up the marvelous Mrs. Maisel here pretty soon. And we're so we're also trying to power through the Irishman, which is the Martin Scorsese well, film I gotta, on I gotta Netflix. Get, uh, I need oh, to see the, the problem is it. it's three and a half hours long. And after the four kids go to bed every night, my wife and I have like 45 minutes to an hour before <laughs> we're completely exhausted. So I told her, let's view this as a mini series. Yeah, we're going to watch this. Yeah. We're going to watch this over the course of four nights. So I actually uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I I read the statistic. I don't know why if, if Netflix decided to release it, but they said that 37 million people have watched The Irishman so yeah. far, but only 18% have, have watched it to the end. Yeah. Oh, watch it again. Oh. Yeah. No, watch it to the watch end. Watch it to the oh, end. Like, end. Yeah. All the way through. <laughs> and it got it got nominated for Best Picture in the Golden Globes. Uh, they released that yesterday. It's fantastic. I'm halfway through it. I can't I can't do it in one sitting. <laughs> it's, it's impossible. It's like three and a half you know, hours. Give me a break. <laughs> Joe Pesci, yeah. man, he came out of retirement for this one. That, that got me excited. I'm a, I like Joe Pesci. It's fun. It's just entertaining. It's just too long. But, so. but here's what's funny about that. Okay, yeah, it's too long, but we'll binge watch four hours of shit, right? Like, if it's like. <laughs> I unfortunately haven't watched more than an hour's worth of TV in any one sitting in many years because of these kids. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, well, I got I, I got to see the rest of the Man in the High Castle because uh, uh, I am I am watching uh, Watchmen right now, okay. mm. uh, which I've mentioned previous weeks, and uh, I am uh, blown away. It is it is so good. It is so good. If you uh, have you ever read the the graphic novel? No, but I'd be uh, open to watching the show for sure. Oh, and yeah, the Mandalorian! Yeah. I can't get it off of Baby Yoda. Oh yeah! Jeez. Spoiler! <laughs> Come on! I'm I'm uh I'm about halfway through. It's okay. It's okay, but Baby Yoda is worth it. He's fantastic. Baby Yoda is great for social media marketing, right? Yeah. Did, did, did you did you hear the story the the the, the story of uh, uh, Warner Herzog who plays the the gangster? Oh my god, I love that guy. That guy's voice is amazing. He's did never you, watched Star Wars did, in his life or something like that. Did you know he, this? This is apparently this is a true story. Uh, they brought the Baby Yoda on the set, and they said that they were going to replace him with a cgi yoda and he looked at john favreau and he said you people are cowards you must use what is real and so they they love that guy's voice just love his voice yeah so he is in uh, real life the characters that he plays on movies yeah yeah yeah. well he's a director too and um (laughs) he plays he He directed such classics as uh nicholas cage and bad lieutenant the remake (laughs) <laughs> Whatever that was. And he, he he just made a his last film apparently was a documentary about how great Vladimir Putin mm, was. So. That's a good one about. Oh, great. Um, yeah, but yeah. I, I just watched Rick and Morty episode four with a slut dragon, Sandros. Um. 
Nice. Don't give it away. I won't give nice. too much away. I'll just tell you that. But it was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. Are you a Rick and Morty fan, Nick? I'm not. I know people that like it. I want to get into it. I think I just cut it at the wrong time, but I'm a huge yeah. Archer fan. So Start with season. Uh, yeah. immature, immature cartoons uh, do not. Uh, the immature cartoons are wonderful for me. In fact, I find multiple opportunities in my classes to show clips from South Park just to show exactly how brilliant the guys are in analyzing yeah. the situation. So. But have you gotten your kids into Adventure Time yet? I don't know what that is. Oh my God! Do you have Netflix? Of course. It's it's. I think it's on Adventure uh, Adventure Times on Netflix. I think it's on Hulu. I think it's on Hulu. Uh, Adventure Time is like the Yellow Submarine of our generation. It's like oh. it's it's so good. It's so like it's just funny and it it's a kids show, but there's yeah. there's a lot of heart and Steven Universe. Uh, those two shows are like, oh, they're so beautiful. Cool. Uh, some of the best shows. Well, I saw like. Happy Feet. And I know we're going like crazy, <laughs> weird, random directions. But I saw Happy Feet for the first time over the weekend. I was Good a movie. big fan. Oh, big yeah. fan. Jacob loved it, too. <laughs> yeah. My one and a half year old. That's great. <laughs> great thing about kids. You get to catch up on all these, you know. Have you have you, have your kids caught the Frozen bug yet? Do you have any of oh those that gosh. are like. Yeah. Their, their grandma <laughs> just took them to Frozen, too. And we added Disney Plus. So we've I mean, they've been singing Frozen for years now. So, yeah, they we, they like all the all the um, the princess stuff. So Jacob grew up with Frozen and uh, he met Elsa and Anna on Saturday. Oh. I, didn't, I didn't go or Sunday, Sunday. Oh. They were in Thousand Oaks and Laura. Uh, I didn't go. Laura took him. There's photos, though. You should have taken them. The real Elsa and Anna. Wow. The real Elsa and Anna. Yeah, I, I had a bunch of work I had to catch up on. Otherwise, I would have. Well, Nick, if you ever uh, get to this end of the of the world, uh, please look me up. Uh, you know, we'll do the Amsterdam tour. Super cool. Would love to. Yeah. I was there 16 years ago. I can't <laughs> wait to get back. Oh, my God. I love it here. <laughs> love it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Nick Norris, thank you so much for being on the show. Professor Nick. Professor, Professor Nick thank Norris. You guys. <laughs> So cool. So cool. Uh, all right. <laughs> Slow clap. He deserved um, it. He deserved it. Yeah. So what do you got for me, man? Anything else? No, I think uh, I think we covered it. We had the, we had a full on interview there. We even got I even got some geek time in at the end. Uh, I had a great conversation with Nick. Yeah, um, I've taken two of his classes. I took the social media marketing class with Nick and I took the public relations class with Nick. He's a great teacher. He's interactive. Good guy, um, has the formal educational pedigree that I don't. I mean, I have my bachelor's of science degree in biopsychology, but I don't have a business um, master's. I have a business associate's degree from Ventura College, but that's me. That's and me. if you go to the Ventura College website, you could probably sign up for the course online. Uh, coming up, we are going to do our year-end special where uh, we play back our predictions from last year and then make predictions for this year. And uh, we'll see how wrong we are. And, I think we uh, nailed, I think like 99% accuracy last year, I believe. I, I we'll think have to so. verify that on the show. Didn't you say like you were going to, like you were going to get a jetpack? and I think, yeah, I think it did mention that. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. it happens. And I, you know I said, I, actually, you know what I do remember is I actually gave a shout out to Matt Giovanisi in that episode and we had him as a guest on the show this year. So oh. um, that's kind of funny. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, I, I Did I say I was going to get that operation? The one I told you about? I don't want to talk about it here, but that one operation. Yeah, you did. did yeah, did I didn't that, get it. I didn't get no. it. Well, yeah, yeah. I chickened well, out. I get it. I get it. But you really, you really need it. Otherwise, you know, I know marriage won't last. I well, you know what? It could because <laughs> she she's kind of she's kind of into that. So, ladies and gentlemen, another 
fine, fine edition of the Marketing Geek. So I took your line. You did. You did. But that's okay. I don't, uh, I, I'm not going to hate. Why should I? Why, why, why should you indeed? <laughs> so that was a fun interview. Like I said, uh, Professor Nick bringing the value. And we have more great guests coming up. Plus our year-end special that all of you have been waiting for, writing to us, constantly waiting for that 2020 prediction episode. Oh, and guess what we're going to do after the first of the year? I've just decided this. What's that? Uh, we should tell everybody, all our seven listeners, that every uh, Tuesday night we record, or Tuesday day, and that they can they can join. We should have we should have our guests ask. We should have people ask our guest questions, right? I'm in. I'm in. That is going to happen. So we're going to be doing that. So if you want to be featured on the show, make sure that you're interacting with us, tagging us on LinkedIn, tagging us on Facebook, where Andres will never see it. And uh, yeah, but it's going to be a big 2020. I can promise I think you so, man. We're going to, we've got some surprises and a monkey coming your way. Oh, and with he spoiled that, the monkey. He spoiled the monkey. Ladies and gentlemen, stay classy.